All right, so, man, it's weird. It's weird to get back into the swing of things. I've been so used to weirdness and just awkwardness for so long. It's kind of fun. Took me back to my junior high days. Um, <laughs> that and my single days <laughs> before I got married. For those of you graduating, welcome. You're going to be going into junior high part two when you graduate. So you're going to have fun with that. Um, all right, so we've been in a series um, that has lasted, gosh, we started this at the beginning uh, before quarantine hit, and then we tried to continue it through Zoom. Not the best uh, venue to really have a study. I like being able to be in a classroom where I can see people's faces, uh, get some feedback, and just have you guys even participate um, with different things. And so I'm excited to be able to continue this. And so I really think that tonight's um, topic, as we hit this and we talk about working with God, we're going to be spending some time talking about uh, evangelism in particular. And then we're going to talk about discipleship again, because we've already talked about it before, but we're going to talk about it from a brand new perspective of working with God, because here's where we need to go. And we've, we've done this picture multiple times. And, and the reason why we're going to be hitting it again, and I hope you really get this, because this is something that will, I mean, really help you in your Christian walk in general. Um, you may not understand it completely, but these are things that as you grow in your walk with God, after you graduate, you get into the singles, uh, and you start moving on with the different careers that you might have, um, you know, finding someone, getting engaged, getting married, having a family, and how all those things kind of mix together these things are absolutely critical, and I will say they are absolutely critical, especially for those of you that are going to be graduating, because times of transition, right here, potential pitfalls, personal sin relationships, ruts, plateaus, life transitions, it is a potential pitfall, whether you are ready for it or not. There's a lot of people, and this has always been my heart attitude, Any, anyone coming into the senior high, I have wanted to do the best job that we possibly can as youth leaders and as a ministry to get you guys prepared for the day that you graduate. And a lot of that is on our shoulders as far as what we can do, but a lot of that is in your court on how much you really want to be involved with the things that God has for you. There are things that are set up in such a way that you can have everything that you need, knowledge-wise and beginning experience-wise, to take that next step into that next life phase. Um, but there are some things that you're only going to learn by taking that step. Because until you graduate, a lot of the things that we may even be talking about remain theory uh, until you actually start to walk through those situations in your own shoes on your own. But my hope is, is that as you begin to do that, some of these things will really stick and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I remember when we talked about this and when we did that. Or so I've had you know, a bunch of the singles that have come back to me and said, hey, do you still have the notes for this study? I'm like, yeah, I do. And then I give it to them. Because I know that sometimes you're only going to get like 10 20% max of the things that I teach you verbally. But once you get to a certain point in your life where you are facing these things head on, then you're going to think back and you're like, didn't we do a study on? And then yes, come to us. If you don't have the notes yourself, you didn't keep track of them, I will gladly call you a failure and then send you another copy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Andy. You're right. I stepped on your toes. That is your job. So Andy will call you a failure. For every day of your life until you die. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, you know, we, we've got it. We, we balance each other out. I, am, I, I like to encourage and uplift. He likes to tear down and destroy. So we need each other. We need each other. All right. So anyway, um, but these are things that when you come back, we will gladly help you. And so don't feel 
like, um, you know, once you're out of here, you're out of here and you can never come back. That's not what we're talking about. We are always going to be here for you, for anything that's going on. Sometimes our relationships with those that have graduated have gone deeper and been more meaningful after they've graduated because of their life circumstances and the things that we began to teach them in the senior high. So uh, kind of reviewing this a little bit, we spent time really nailing it down. We're kind of circling in it. So we started here and we're working our way out because God always works in a circular fashion. It's one of the things, we, God is not linear. We are because we are Greek-minded. We are Gentiles. We think one, two, three, ABC, but God is not. He is not a linear guy. The way he wrote the Bible is very circular. There are lessons that he teaches you in Genesis 1 through 12, but then he repeats throughout the entire Bible. The book of God begins uh, in the garden, and then it ends in a garden, the way that he always wanted it to be in the first place. It's really kind of cool when you study it from that angle. So it's no coincidence that God has a relationship with us that is very circular. And so it begins here with your communication with God. Once a person is born again and the Spirit of God has moved inside your literal body, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, you now have the ability to communicate with God freely. And that communication involves reading the Bible, prayer, but also keeping your heart. Proverbs 4.23. I've quoted it enough. Anybody want to give it a shot? Yeah. Yes, for out of it are the issues of life. God tells you to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Jesus said the same thing. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the decisions that you make are the result of your heart and your heart attitude, which can be a very difficult thing for us to look at at times. It's like looking in the mirror of God's word and being like, oof, man, I'm ugly. But a lot of people say, no, I look pretty good. I'm not ugly. And they just start lying to themselves when their spiritual walk is just a train wreck. And so here, keeping your heart, it begins there. The reason why you struggle with reading the Bible and praying like you should is because you're not letting God keep your heart. You're not letting him. You're not surrendering your heart over to him on a daily basis for him to keep it intact. Proverbs 23, 26 is a fantastic verse for that one, which says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. We give God our heart by observing God's ways and being obedient to it. So uh, that is key, and this is the core of everything. Everything that I've experienced so far in my years of life, so far, 36, on this earth, everything comes back to my heart, everything. When I struggle, it's because it's a heart issue. When I'm having a bad attitude, it's a heart issue. When I am complaining, it's a heart issue. When I'm worried, it's a heart issue. When I don't want to witness to somebody, it's a heart issue. When I'm not willing to deal with my sin, it is a heart issue. When I'm struggling getting into my Bible, it's a heart issue. When I don't want to pray to God, it's a heart issue. Every time. Every time. And so the key to your Christian walk, out of anything else, is your heart. Your heart. If God has your heart, everything will go very well for you. So, reading, prayer, keeping your heart. So important. And then as you communicate with God and you spend more time with him, you will be more like him and you will begin to engage in the work of the Lord. You'll start to tell people about God in your life because he mm -hmm. should be extremely valuable to you and you will want to be discipled. And so then that process then starts to kind of turn and grow our heart into this growth, strength training and working with God. And we spent basically all of quarantine talking about strength training, studying the Bible. And we talked about Bible study methods, and we have all that stuff on our podcast, and we have it on the YouTube links that I've given you guys, so you can go back and review that. 
But studying the Bible and how important that is. Memorizing the Bible and hiding God's word in your heart and discipleship. Becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ and how important that is. Uh, discipleship is a term that is thrown around in our Christian culture today and most people don't have a clue of what it means. They just think that it's someone who's a more serious Christian. And that's not it at all. Every Christian is called to be a disciple. Every, every Christian is called to be a disciple. And so it's not like, all right, well, I might as well take this serious time to sign up for discipleship. No, when you get saved, you should want to get discipled. You should. That should be the next logical step. And that's why the work of the Lord is encapsulated by evangelism, discipleship. You win someone to the Lord, or you are one to the Lord, and then you are discipled. That new believer then learns how to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not a disciple of a person. Not to follow a person or be like a person, but to be like Christ. So, as you grow in your heart, in your communication, then... There comes this, the potential pitfalls. But before we get there, I want to talk about, after strength training, I want to talk about working with God. And so working with God, we're going to spend some time talking about evangelism and discipleship from a slightly different angle. So we're going to start off tonight talking about evangelism. Evangelism. So evangelism, and then we're going to talk about discipleship from the context of working with God. And this would be more on the side of now that you've been discipled, now that you've been discipled, um, now comes the point where you are going to disciple somebody else. And I will tell you, it doesn't matter how far along you are in your walk with God, you are a discipler. Whether you want to be or not, you are. Because you always know something that someone else doesn't. And you, there are always people that are watching you. And I know I hate that. And some people are very judgmental when it comes to that. But you know what? We just need to get over it. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors in this world. When people look at you, they should see Christ. If they don't see Christ, they're still seeing Christ. So what Christ are you actually showing them? It's a very important question for us to think about. And then we want to talk about serving in a ministry. So we're going to do a week on evangelism, next week on discipleship. And then I want to talk about this because this is something else that's very, very important. Serving in a ministry will help you develop your evangelism skills and your discipleship skills. You should always be serving in a ministry in some way, shape, or form. And those of you graduating, man, I'm telling you, the first things on your list when you graduate, sign up for adult discipleship. I mean, I'm not telling you this is from God, but basically. Sign up for discipleship. Become a member of our church if you really want to join forces with us and you believe in the same things that we believe and get your butt serving in a ministry. You've got to. And I'm not just talking the singles. Yes, get involved in the singles, pour your heart and soul into the singles, but you need to serve in a ministry. You should be teaching kids. You should be in the nursery. You should be cleaning. You should be doing something to serve God in some capacity in a ministry in our church. Those are the top few things that you should be doing. Okay, so let's start off with this. What do you fear the most about evangelism? What do you fear the most about evangelism? Andrew. Rejection. Rejection. Believe it or not, Andy does want people to like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but being rejected by people. Okay? How many of you else feel that way? Rejection. That's something that's kind of fearful. It is Two for people, me too. Really? What's that? Two people raise their hand. Yeah, and both adults. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. What else? What else is your greatest fear about evangelism, Brandon? Getting, like, stumped. Like, you don't know what to say. Like, you're, like, kind of, like, out of your range. Okay. All right. So, looking like an idiot. Yeah. You want to be able to give some good, solid answers. All right. Good. 
Yeah. I want someone to get mad at me. Okay. So yeah, you don't want people to get mad at you. I've been in that scenario and it is not fun. I do not like people mad at me, especially when I'm trying to give the gospel. It actually shut me down for quite a long time because I was very discouraged by it. Um, what else? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of encompasses everything that has been said, but just that awkward feeling. Yes. Like I hate feeling awkward when you're rejected or somebody gets mad at you. Whatever it is, yeah. it just makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, or even like you're building somewhat of a rapport and a friendship, and then you bring up the Bible, and then you're feeling like it's going to change things. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Emily? I'm wondering that like, if you say something wrong or it comes out the wrong way, that you're like preventing future opportunities with them, and they're going to be totally closed off to it. Okay. So burning bridges. Yeah. yeah. Being the reason why the door is now shut. Okay, good. Like getting initially in that conversation, because I mm-hmm. hate when you go, but then nobody wants to talk about anything yes okay good judgment okay yeah okay all right good okay yeah he's not a good like uh, whole like short person like i i'm not gonna like starting the conversation keeping it going yeah like they're not talking all right i'm done peace yeah 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 i think it's easier for me when i was doing it going to the opposite sex it was easy to flirt. <laughs> Honestly, it was so much easier to talk to girls. Measles and tactic, flirting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. We'll chuck that one up to you. Bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like maybe people aren't raising their hands because they're like clicking. I'm tapping the screen. And it's no digital. All right, yeah. Okay. Up. Yeah. Okay. So being confident and being fluent, even in the things that you're saying. Okay. Good. Any others that are different from that? Yeah, Emily. I don't even know what it is, but like it works. Like there was like scary people there, and I'm the youngest out of all of them, and I don't want to like. I don't think we're gonna get beat up or anything, but. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So I would say that would be like um, uh, you. I I put this under the category of. I'm, I've already had the conversation with this person in my head, and I know they're going to reject me, so I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Bobby. Well, this is a lie from the devil when I'm thinking of myself, but when you approach them and you're afraid that your your failure is going to literally be the final rejection or the final nail in the coffin, they're going to be like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. You're basically sending them to hell. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. I the- yeah. To be the reason they may never come back to church again or never want to hear the Bible again. Okay. All right. Okay, good. Good. Okay. Now, so this past Sunday, Pastor Tom said something in his message that rocked me. I mean, rocked me. And I put it, for those of you that are doing our our reading plan together, I put it in our our reading plan thing from a couple days ago. Oftentimes, this is what he said, oftentimes when we're witnessing, we make evangelism all about us. Rather than understanding that it's not all about us, it's all about him, and he loves the lost. And he wants them desperately to be saved. And that we, because we are who we are in Christ, that we have the opportunities because we know Christ. So anytime that you have an opportunity or an open door with a lost person or someone that's struggling in their faith, you are God's representative in that moment. You are the mediator between God and that man or that woman or that boy or that girl. I mean, you are that person in that moment. What would Jesus do in that moment? I know this is corny. It's been used for years, but I mean, what would he do? We are his ambassadors, right? 
So what would he do? He would step in the gap and he would try to reconcile that person unto God. And I will tell you, the majority of times that we don't take advantage of opportunities, that I don't take advantage of opportunities, is because I'm thinking all about me. I'm thinking all about me. I'm becoming very carnal in my thinking, and I'm not thinking like God. I'm not thinking about uh, God as, as, my, as the one that I'm representing, that I am the ambassador of. And I'm not thinking about them from a biblical, from a godly perspective, from God's point of view. I'm just not. And when I think about them from God's point of view, and I see myself from God's point of view, that gives me the courage to take that step. Because I will tell you that a lot of these things that we think are just lies. They're just mind games in our heart and in our mind to get us to shut our mouths and to not say something. Because there is no excuse. Like the Bible already says that lost people, there is no excuse. That God has made himself clear through creation, Romans chapter 1, through uh, their conscience, Romans chapter 2, and the word of God. Romans chapter 3. He's done that. So if God has already removed all excuses for them to believe in a God or that there is a God, then why would we think that we could go wrong in sharing God with them? And so a lot of this is our flesh and the enemy convincing us not to say something. Because I tell you, it doesn't get any better. As you get older and you start to have neighbors and there are other people that have kids that are your age that play together, the same things are going to occur. The same things that occur now in your heart and in your mind are the same things that are going to occur when you get older and your life changes. So these are always going to be struggles. But what we need to do is to believe the truth over our feelings. We have to. We have to. Okay, so um, so really, I wanted to do this first, and I'm, and I'm going to kind of go through this quickly. I wanted to give you a lot of notes up front because I want you to be able to take these things and run with them. I do want to spend a little bit more time on the five keys of the gospel, which we do share in our VBS training. But I really want to get to the backside. So defining the gospel, exactly what is it? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 gives us the clearest definition. So let's turn there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. And then I'll let you guys study out on your own the key elements of the gospel. Because all of these, thing, these things are going to be things you're going to need to chew on. And to really get in your heart and in your mind. But I do want to share with you the five keys. So go to 1 Corinthians 15. If you were to go anywhere in the Bible that gives the clearest explanation of what the gospel is, is 1 Corinthians 15, if you're looking for one passage. And so that will be verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain." For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So through verse 4, really 3 and 4, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So if you're looking for a place to go, this would be the place to go. Now, when I'm sharing the gospel, I do not go to 1 Corinthians 15. I don't. There are other verses that I go to that I feel that when I'm having a conversation with somebody that are more effective. But if you're looking for a biblical passage that gives the clearest definition of the scripture, of of the gospel in the scriptures, it is 1 Corinthians 15. So that, I wanted to give you that information. But key elements of the gospel, and all these are really summed up, I think, in the five keys very well, but that God is holy, that mankind is unholy, 
Our sin condemns us and will separate us from God for all eternity upon our death. That there is nothing we can do to erase our sins and condemnation. We need a savior, a substitute to take our place. God became a man, Jesus Christ, and lived a perfect sinless life. Jesus laid down, uh, laid his life down in the stead of sinful man. He then rose again from the dead three days later, conquering sin, the grave, and hell for the sinner. And Jesus must be recognized and received by man, trusting in Jesus Christ alone to be redeemed by God. And those are all some really good passages to look at. So these are, if you're going to give the gospel in its entirety, that would be the full extent of it. And that might be a good study for you to kind of work through and maybe even put in your Bible somewhere uh, just to have that on hand. But I like, I've done this for years, and I really like the five keys, because for me, this really sums it up very nicely and very, very well. And that is, and I'm going to go through one by one. So number one, for the five keys of the gospel, that God's holiness, God's holiness, God is holy. Psalm 99.5 says that. Psalm 145.17 says that. Numbers 23.19 says that God is holy. He is holy. He is without fault. He is without sin. He is perfect, utterly perfect, utterly pure, absolutely holy. And establishing that fact with people is very important because of the next point, man's sinfulness. So God's holiness, man's sinfulness. That we aren't, we are not holy. Romans 3.23, someone quote it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us, every single person comes short of God's holiness. So there's no way that we can rise up to his standard. So God is holy. Man is not. Man is sinful. And because of that, number three is sin's consequence. Sin's consequence. So God is holy. He is perfect. We are not. And so there is a consequence. Because God, think about it in these terms. And and I've... And I've heard it many different ways, but this is the one that makes the most sense to me, and it is the clearest to me. Because God is holy, he can't be in the presence of sin. It's absolutely impossible for God to be in the presence of sin because he is just. He is absolutely 100% just. And so even though he loves the world, John three sixteen, and even though he cares for every man, woman, boy, and girl, he is just and he is holy in that, in that characteristic, he is holy in his justice, just as he is holy in his love. And he can't permit someone that is a sinner to enter into his presence without something, because by, by our very nature, we are sinners. So there has to be something that exists to bring that sinner into his presence and to be accepted. Something has to be there, because God can't allow it. Because we, by nature, because of our sinfulness, we deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. And so that's the problem. That's the problem. And until people really understand that God is not hateful, not at all, not at all. He is holy. He is holy. We are not. And if we continue in that state, the only destination for us is eternal separation. And that is the truth. And once we understand that, man, that will change our heart for lost people. It will. Every person has to come to that spot where they recognize that and they understand that they need someone to save them. Save them from what? That's what. And so there's a lot of people that don't understand that. And so that leads into our next point here, and that is God's solution. God's solution. 
Because God is holy and we are not, and then there is a consequence, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, just a little bit over to your right, chapter 5. God did not want to keep us there. God made a way. God made a way. So we have a problem, sin's consequence, but then God came up with a solution. And that would be 2 Corinthians 5, 21. So I'm going to read that one. 5, 21. Whoever would like to. Go ahead, Sam. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And really, we could go to all these other verses, but this is one that really encapsulates it for me very, very well. For he, that is God the Father, hath made him, God the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin, but God made him to be sin for us. And here's why. That we might be made, might be made, so it's a free will choice, might be made the righteousness of God in him. You cannot enter into God's presence without having his righteousness. And that is why you cannot earn your salvation. That you cannot work your way into a state of righteousness where you have your own righteousness to stand before God and to be holy and just. You cannot do it. You need God's righteousness. And no one can do that. No one can do that on their own. There's no way. So we need God's righteousness to be in God's presence. And the only way that can happen, according to this verse, is through Jesus Christ. Because once we have received him as our Savior, we are then made the righteousness of God in him. And now, because of that, we can stand in God's presence. That's the only reason why we are accepted. And that's the only reason we ever could be accepted. Your Bible reading, your memorizing has nothing to do with your salvation and your standing before God. Nothing. Your church attendance and your service has nothing to do with your standing before God. None of it. None of it. It is what you do with Jesus Christ. That always has to be the central theme in evangelism. Until someone has made a decision with Jesus Christ, there's nothing else we're talking about. There's nothing else we're talking about. Debate all day long. It doesn't matter. What are they going to do with Jesus Christ? He is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So in a lot of these cases where we want to have answers, in a lot of these cases where we don't want to, get, we don't want to fumble over stuff, keep Christ central. Because until you get through the gospel, there's nothing else that's really worth talking about. And I'll talk to you guys about maybe in some ways that I've been able to do that because there are people that, well, what about atheists? What about people that believe that the Bible is written by men? What about this? What about... Those are all ancillary arguments that really don't matter because I've had circumstances where I've had a complete gospel conversation with an atheist and I not once debated about the Bible with them. And it was very interesting. So I'll, t- I'll share that with you guys in a minute. Okay. And then lastly, it comes down to number five, your choice, your choice. So God's holiness, God is holy and perfect. Man's sinfulness, we are not. Sin's consequence, eternal separation from God, uh, death and second death. God's solution, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he made a way. He made a way to, for mankind to be redeemed. And then number five, your choice. And it always comes down to your choice. What are you going to do with Jesus? And so for me, um, and this kind of gets into uh, our second part of the, the, the flip side, next page. But 
when it comes to, well, where do I begin? What I love about the five keys of the gospel is that you can begin anywhere. You can really begin anywhere. There's no like, well, okay, hold on, hold on. I've got to start off with God's holy. No, no, no. You don't have to. You don't have to do that. If someone is struggling and they're saying um, something about sin's consequence, like let's say someone comes up to you and they start talking to you about like, um, why does God allow bad things to happen in this world? If God is as powerful as he says he is and he could stop, you know, murder, he could stop rape, he could stop disease, he could stop cancer. Why doesn't he? Okay, you know what the issue is there? The consequence of sin. All those things are the consequence of sin. So you could begin right there. And then you could work back and you can say, and there's sin because of who we are. And because of who we are, we've got a problem with God. And so then you go back to the consequence and then you can move forward to the next point of God made a solution and what's your choice? So you can really plug this in any way you want to. It just really depends on the scenario and the situation that you're in. So let's talk about this on the more practical level. Okay, so where do I begin personally? Well, the first thing's first. Go to Colossians 4. Colossians 4. So Colossians chapter 4, I love this verse. It's a really great verse. It's been a great encouragement to me um, in this particular context. So first of all, where do I begin? Uh, Number one, according to Colossians 4, pray. Pray about it and ask the Lord for open doors. So where do you begin with evangelism? Pray about it and ask God for open doors. That is the first place that you should start because each of us are unique. Each of us are unique. You have a unique personality. Uh, You are in a unique frame of mind um, just by your own character, your own circumstances, your own family life, the certain people that you're around, where you work, your past experiences, where God wants to take you in the future. All those things are unique to you. And so there is a field that God wants you to work in that only you can work in, period. And so there are people that you're exposed to that I'm not, or the person next to you isn't, that you have the ability to reach. Some of us overlap our fields a little bit, and we can kind of cooperate and tag team and win someone to the Lord. And sometimes those things happen. Um, So pray about it and ask the Lord for open doors, because Colossians 4, look at verses 3 through 5. With all, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. I love that. I love that with Paul. Because here he says, pray for me, pray for us, that God would open up a door to speak the mystery of Christ, which is why he's in prison. But here's verse four, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. You know, you could even take this in a way that there are times where Paul even struggled with making it manifest as he ought to speak. There might've been times where Paul was like, you know what? I'm really struggling right now and I don't want to do this. There could have been times where Paul did. We don't get that impression a lot of times, but why would he ask for prayer about that in particular? So we need to be praying for ourselves and for other people. So start there. That is a great place to start. Number two, remember. So pray for those open doors, but number two, remember the Lord commanded his disciples to go and preach the gospel. You've got to remember that. And if you are a disciple, or should I say, if you are a Christian, if you are a disciple, if you are a Christian, God has commanded us to go and to preach the gospel. So when we have opportunity to share the gospel and we don't do it, we are disobeying the command that he gave us. And I need to think more about that. I need to remember that. Because when I pass up on opportunities, 
That's something I need to really allow to convict me. And so you have number two. So remember that God commanded. We can do Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 25. I mean, all these places God clearly commanded us to go and to preach the gospel. I love John 15, 16 probably the most because he commands us that we would go and bear fruit. Bear much fruit and we will be his disciples if we, are doing, if we do that. So I love that. Um, and then um, we're already close to 1 Corinthians. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 10 real quick. So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 10. All right, so verse 33, it says, Even as I please... All men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And then he says in the next verse, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. You know, you could really make an argument that those two verses go together very, very well. 33 and 11.1. That he seeks not his own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. So be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Because that's exactly what Christ did. We got to remember that. So remember, the Lord commanded his disciples to go and preach the gospel. Okay, and this kind of gets into number three. So where do we start with it? Well, it really depends on the conversation. Start wherever they're at. Start wherever they're at. And I'll talk about that just in a minute because here's why. Here's why you can start wherever they're at. Number four, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. That's Romans 1.16. So the gospel is the power of God, the power of God, not you. It's not about you having the right words to say. It's not about you being eloquent enough to speak the gospel properly. It's speaking the gospel biblically because that is the power of God unto salvation. Not our eloquence, not our intellect, not our ability to answer questions even. Sometimes people answer questions because they're convicted or they ask questions because they're convicted and they don't want to face the truth of what you're saying to them. And so they're trying to find a way to deflect what God is already convicting in their heart. Sometimes people are angry with you for the exact same reason, because they're trying to deflect the conviction that God is bringing up in their heart. So don't take the face value of people when you're talking to them about the gospel. If you take the face value of whoever that is, whether they're angry, frustrated, whether they want to debate, that never, that should never phase you. That should never phase you because God is working on their heart. If you just give them the gospel and you talk to them about the gospel, God will use it. Even if you mess up all of your words, God will use it. He will use it because it is the power of God into salvation. We just need to be faithful to open up our mouths. And I'll give you a great case in point, Garrett. I just thought about this. Jack totally screwed up giving you the gospel and you got saved. It had nothing to do with Jack, right? Other than he was faithful to give you the gospel. That's it. You know? And we talked about that because you even, I remember when you asked me, you're like, I know Jack shared with me the gospel, but I'm not sure if he did it right. So I'm not sure if I'm actually saved. And we worked through that. But Jack was just faithful. He was faithful to give you the gospel. And he fumbled and he even said, I don't even know if I did this right, you know, but still it brought you to the Lord. So that is a classic case in point that you don't have to have everything in order for God to change someone's life. You just need to be faithful to share the gospel. All right. So I'll give you another example on this one. 
So, uh, and I've shared this before, so if you've heard it again, just deal with it. Um, but so I remember I was at the balloon fest and I ran into these two guys that were atheists and, uh, and I was actually with, uh, let's see, I was with Kent Burns and I was with Zach Woodrum, who's currently watching all the leaders children. So they were with me. And I remember that in Zach's, I think it was Zach's backpack, he had some tracks and stuff. And so, um, there were these two guys that were together at the balloon fest and I walked up to them I was trying to encourage you know, these guys do, but they were like, no, 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 we'll just watch. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then of course I'm nervous because I don't even want to do it either. So these two guys are coming along and I'm like, hey, um, guys, you have a minute for a question? And they're like, sure. So they stop. And I said, okay, so we're going around and we're asking people, um, you know, what do they think about Jesus or who they believe Jesus is? So who, who do you believe Jesus is? And right out of the gate, right out of the gate, they're like, well, we really don't believe in God. We're, we're both atheists. And normally that would be like a boom, door shut, right? So I said, oh, okay, um, well, can I share with you what I believe about what the Bible says? And as soon as I asked that, they said, sure. And then I went and I gave them the gospel. And I went through, I mean, passionate. They probably thought I was psycho. But I went through and I shared it. And when I was done, you know what they said? Because at the end I said, so what do you, what do you think about what I just shared? Both of them were like, we've never really heard that before, like that. I'm like, really? They said, yeah. I said, well, are you interested in knowing more? They said, yeah, we are actually. I said, okay. I'm like, Zach. <laughs> and he opened up the backpack and he handed me a couple little brochures that gave more information that had the gospel. And I said, well, take these and read them. Will you please read them? And they boasted that they would. Never heard from them ever again. I don't know if they read it or not. But in that scenario, it completely just disarmed because what I just did was I asked the question. They said, sure. They told me where they stood with it. And it doesn't really matter where they stand with it, by the way. And then I asked them, well, can I share with you what I believe? So it's about me, my personal testimony, what I believe to be true. And so then I was able, without interruption, to give them the entirety of the gospel and it was the first time that these kids had ever heard the gospel in that manner. And who knows where they came from or even why they became atheists to begin with, because you have to be educated into atheism, by the way. So um, that really helped me in my heart because now I'm like, oh, these other things really don't matter then. So all these other things that people could ask, it really doesn't matter because I can go back to, well, can I just share with you what I believe? Because if I can just get that in there, then the Holy Spirit of God can use the words that I'm saying, the scripture that I'm sharing, to stir in their heart, to work the power of God in their heart, whether they receive it or not, hopefully they would. And if they're interested and they want to hear more, or if they want to accept Christ on the spot, then you'll have the opportunity to do it. So that freed me up. And I learned that from Brian Clark, our missionary in England, because he uses that method where, you know, you respect what people believe, because anyone's free to believe whatever they want. They can be sincerely wrong, but they can believe whatever they want. And then you're giving your testimony, your story, which is the most powerful thing that God has ever given you. Because if he has changed your life, he has changed your life. You're an ambassador, a messenger to give the truth of God to those people. So in a lot of these things that are these excuses, we, we turn it around and we make it all about us and reasons why we want to shy away. But in reality, you have to remember you are God's ambassador. And if God wants them to be saved, then we ought to want them to be saved. And if we are not wanting them to be saved, then we need to admit that. But then it goes back to our heart. 
It goes back to our heart and our heart attitude. So that's why it always comes back to our heart. And so I love number five here. Uh, the gospel can be parallel to Joshua and the battle of Jericho. And for those of you that went through our Joshua series last year, man, what a great one to look at again. You know, sometimes people need to be given the gospel multiple times before those walls start to come down. It's just how it is. And so that's a great picture of what God wants us to do. So there's more that we talk about with evangelism, but I think that this was a good nutshell for you to really consider and to think, because I know each of us do have good opportunities, uh, even with where we're at right now, even with what's going on, for us to be able to do something. You guys have a great opportunity through, we're going to Beulah. There's a great opportunity right there to invite some people to camp. I know there's some parents that are wigged out because they don't want their kid to go, and that's okay. That's okay. But there are others that you're going to have more of an open door to invite them to camp this year, and they would not have come if it weren't for the things that have unfolded over the last couple of months. So take advantage of those opportunities. Don't be afraid to invite someone to camp. You should do it. Um, don't be afraid to talk to somebody about what you believe, even if they, even if they don't agree with you, because, my goodness... I mean, you can respectfully acknowledge someone's existence and their beliefs, even if they're sincerely wrong, and still be acquaintances and friends with them. I mean, no one said you can't be friends with someone that believes something different, but you should have an opportunity to be able to talk about some of those things, especially if it's someone that you would consider your friend. If you're in a situation where you feel like you can't have a conversation with a friend like that, well, then are they really your friend? And are you really their friend is another great question to ask there, too. So these are things that God's really stirred in my heart over the years and continues to do so. Yeah, Rick. I just want to share a few things about, about evangelism. I had an opportunity. Uh, I had an ordinary salesman come over the weekend. And those are always great opportunities, yeah. especially in this time, you know, with old COVID nonsense. But, uh, you know, it's not like I go seeking them. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, Lord, if you open a door, cool. So this dude, you know, he's kind of a hot boy. You know, he's kind of working his thing. He's selling some security <laughs> equipment. I, I was like, all right, dude. So I was like, you know, I listened to his spiel. And uh, so he's going on. And somehow, I don't know how the conversation opened up, and I was able to throw, throw the thing out there about, you know, I think I just asked him, like, how old are you? And I guessed his age. He's like, well, I'm 25. I thought he was 24. So somehow we got onto it. And uh, I don't know if I asked him, what do you believe? Or something like that. And he went on. He goes, well, I believe I'm a good person. I'm all right. And. You know, people are entitled to their beliefs and this and that. And I said, okay. And I asked them. One of the things I want to do is, is not, you, there's all kinds of tools in your arsenal for evangelism. It's not a canned, it's not canned responses for things. Yeah. Brian Clark's thing is keep the conversation going. Mm -hmm. So in this instance, he throws that out there. And I asked him. I said, okay, so you're a good person. So I, I explained the law to him. I walked him through the Ten Commandments. Just real quick. I didn't just hit them all. And I said, you've done all these things, right? And he's like, yeah. I said, okay. So I said, if you were judging on God's righteousness opposed to your own righteousness, what would your judgment be? And right right there. You could tell he like, it stopped him. Yeah. And he thought about it. And it was right there that I was able to make a personal connection, and we went back and forth a little bit, and he got a little bit frictional at that point, and that's when I knew, you gotta gauge how they're being. And then that's when I knew, I'm like, all right, I gotta shut it down. So I just looked at him, I said, here's this, and I straight down the lane with him. I said, you're gonna take your last breath, 
I was like, you're going to fly back to Illinois, and your plane might slide off the end of a runway. I'm not trying to play fear factor. I'm just giving you the truth. Okay? You might die at 25. You might die at 85. Now, this is my conversation with him. I mean, I'm looking at him right, right between his eyes. And, and I said, you got a decision to make. And you're telling me, that based on your own righteousness, that you're good. And I'm telling you about what the Bible says, that you're not good. And you need Jesus Christ. And I was like, it's your decision. He's like, well, you're not going to convert me. I said, it's not my job to convert you. I said, it's your job to make a decision. I said, and I explained some, I walked him through Romans Road and, and, and shared that with him. I shared a little bit of my testimony. And, and he was receptive to it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I can tell you, you know, he's not, he doesn't want it. But I'm like, you do have things. I know you, you don't want to make a decision. That's fine. But I said, you got things you need to think about. And I was like, there's going to come a day God's going to jerk your chain. I was like, it's coming one day or the other. And you're going to think about these things. Mm -hmm. And then I shut it down and I asked him about my quote. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know what God's going to use. And then there's other people. You have a conversation like that. And on the spot, they will say, you know what? I do need to make this right. Yeah. You know? And those are people that really other people have, you know, planted and God watered right. or another person watered. And then God's going to give you the increase. And in that moment, it's time for them to make that decision. Because oftentimes people need to hear the gospel multiple times, multiple times before they even really understand it and make a decision to receive it. You just got to gauge your audience. You do. It's gauging your audience, but it's, it's, it's not having canned responses, guys. Yeah. It's not that. It's having, it's having all the tools in your toolbox and knowing how to use them. But really the biggest thing is keep the conversation going and making personal connections with them. Jesus Christ made personal connections all through the Bible. When you look at Jesus Christ's interactions all through the New Testament, he made personal connections. Yep. He always met people where they were. Yes. Even from him being born into this world, he met people where they were. He became a baby in order to enter into this world, in order to die for us. And all along the way, every person that he interacted with that's recorded in the scripture, he always met them where they were. Every single time. It was not about, it was not about him. It was about where are they at and how can I get them to this to consider this. The beautiful thing is that all of us can have that ability. He will give us that mm -hmm. ability to That's what I love about doing evangelism is when you're making those personal connections with people, it just it plants a seed deeper than just, you know, here's a trap. It's, right. and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you make that personal connection, man, it just you can tell, you see them. Even yep. if they don't want the gospel, they don't want to make a change. It's like they're they grind on it. Yep. Yep, that's good. All right, so what other final comments or questions might you have about this topic? Out of all the stuff that we talked about tonight, anything? Did I do that good? <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure to do worse next week. I'm sorry. You took like this Jesus figure. Uh huh. He said, "Are Yeah. Just Christ-like. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. All right. So. What's our challenge this week then? So based on what we just talked about, what's going to be our challenge this week? What's going to be your challenge? Anybody want to put something out there? Andy. Okay, my heart's been a little hard this week. <laughs> so I'm hoping I can just get that a little, a little softened up. I just got an alert the protests are starting up again. Okay. So I'm um, just a little on edge this week. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Okay. So what's yours? Anybody else want to put something out there?
What's your personal challenge based on what you heard tonight? Because we've got to do something with it. Every time we open up the Bible, we've got to do something with it, whether we choose to disregard it or obey it. Yep. Praying for my friend. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. Good. What else? Anybody else? Okay, making sure to make time and save time for God. Good, because that, you gotta have fuel. If you don't have anything in the tank, you're not gonna be able to give anything out to anybody else. That's very important. I mean, you can last maybe a few days, but it's gonna come to an end. It's important that we have that relationship with God. It goes back to that heart, communication with God. Good. All right, what else, anything else? Yeah. Getting back in contact with my buddies that graduated before they go to college. Okay, all right, maybe get an opportunity there. Good. Anybody else? Okay. All right, make sure you have one. Have something. Even if it starts off by just praying, praying for an open door, praying for an opportunity, be, be thinking about, you know, here's another one. I mean, who could you invite to camp? Um, this is a unique time. It's going to be a unique set of messages. I don't even know what the messages are going to be yet, to be honest with you. Uh, I know the theme. I know where I want to go. I know kind of the overall, but um, this, is, this is a, you know, genuinely once-in-a-lifetime camp. I mean, every year is once-in-a-lifetime and it is unique, but this one is going to be very different, very, very different, and so we need to really capitalize. So if God gives you an open door, and if you've got a friend that's receptive and coming, man, invite him or her. Got to, got to. All right? Okay. Okay, sweet. All right, let's have someone close us in prayer, and then we can hang out for a little bit, and then if you need to go right away, go ahead, and then if you stick around for too long, I'll just kick you out. All right, so <laughs> who wants to pray? Okay, Brandon, thanks. Go ahead. Dearly Father God, thank you for letting us just come to church today. It was really just a blessing to see all these faces in person, not in the technology. Um, not the technology is bad, but um, it was just in person is how you created us, and it's just really different. Um, just, you know, being with each other, you know, getting a lesson um, with, uh, and just made probably Stephen have an easier time, you know, with feedback and everything else. Um, I really I pray for uh, Andy and all the other uh, Jackson cops and all the cops around the world and the firefighters and everything else that um, is going on right now. I pray that you would keep um, him safe and uh, the different stuff that's going on right now and that you would really bring peace to America um, as there's just a lot of stuff going on um, with everything. Um, I thank you again for letting us come out in person today. Uh, it's just really uh, cool seeing everyone and uh, hopefully someone got Something out of evangelism, as I know, a, a rapture could be happening um, anytime. There's not really a time on it. And obviously, we all know that someday we have to take our last breath. So that's just really something that uh, should be burning everyone's heart um, just to tell someone, even if it's just one person, about uh, what they learned or just to carry out some of the stuff we learned today. And just stand for Amen. 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 Amen.